Hello, and welcome to the Age Space podcast. I'm Annabelle James, and I set up agespace.org, which is a one-stop online resource for anybody anxious about or caring for their elderly parents. And I'm really pleased that we've got Jason Butler here again today to tell us all things about probate. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, Annabelle. Yeah, I'm great. And uh, probate, what an exciting, <laughs> wonderful... Rock and oh, you know roll. What? My, my day is really <laughs> excited. And having done this last year for my late father-in-law, it's, it's freshing my mind. So I'm, I'm not just theoretical now. Not just about the facts. I'm, I'm about the reality. Oh, brilliant. My brother is looking after the probate for my mum. Uh, because he's an executor of her will so he phones me up and tells me stuff what's going on and I go that's great Um, really honestly and truly I have absolutely no idea what he's doing Mm. so I don't even really understand what probate means well think of it this way that that probate is just the process of gathering in everything someone who's passed away owns dealing with any debts that they have to pay out and then distributing their remaining assets after paying off anything they owe to those that uh, should receive them as a result of either the wishes that the person left in the form of a will or the law of the land if they didn't leave a will. So it's just that it's that administrative process of tidying up their financial and legal affairs um, after they die. But when someone dies... You know, there's a there's sort of an order of things you have to do, and it's a really terrible thing to do when you're you're grieving and you've had the immediate loss of someone, particularly if they're very close to you, as I had last year with my father-in-law. You know, within a day, I've got to go and get the death certificate from the from the GP. I have to go and register the death with the with the registry office, and then when I've got that, I then have to do an account to the inland revenue, which is what you have to do. You have to tell the inland revenue what the value of the estate is. Now, depending on the size of the estate, you can either do this online, digitally, which is what I did because my late brother-in-law's affairs were quite simple because I'd made them simple, or you have to fill out a 16-page form with about 40 pages of notes called an IHT 400. Okay. It's an an awful form. (laughs) Um, So the bottom line is either it's going to be really simple and can be done online, or it's going to be more complicated and you've got to fill out a long form. Most people, not the vast majority of people, because it's not something they do all the time and it can be time consuming, particularly if estates are the person who died had slightly complicated affairs, different holdings, different properties. They will normally um, either employ um, a probate practitioner or a lawyer or some other legal helper who, who specialises in winding up estates. You don't have to do that. I, I wound up my father-in-law's estate within two months of him dying. Yeah, but you're good at this stuff. The rest well, of us... okay, and I know, you know. my... No, absolutely. I'm just saying, but his affairs were quite simple and I did it all online. And um, Before you can get probate and deal with uh, passing out the estate, you have to tell the Inland Revenue whether you owe any inheritance tax on the estate. And in really simple terms, you pay 40% inheritance tax above a certain amount. So an individual, it will be 325000 plus a bit more if they own property. Um, and if they had a a spouse who died before and had exemptions, it could could be up to £950,000 you could pass. So you've got to make sure that you you tell the inland revenue what the person left, and it's all their assets, less their liabilities, any loans or debts that they had to pay. And if there's any inheritance tax to pay, you have to pay that first. Okay. But there is a, there is a, a provision that says if it's property, 
and it's going to take you time to sell, you can ask the inland revenue, you can pay it out of the estate in instalments over a period of years, up to 10 years in some cases. Sorry, could you explain that a bit more? Yeah, if if you owe inheritance tax on the deceased estate and you primarily have got property and it's coming from properties performing the bulk of that liability, you can ask for time to pay the inheritance tax liability. And essentially what the inland revenue are saying is as and when you sell the property, you can pay it over time, but you have to pay it definitely when you sell the property. So you can have time to pay an inheritance tax liability where property is involved. But ordinarily, you've got to pay the inland revenue first before you can distribute any residual estate to the people that are left behind, the beneficiaries. So once you've got that, the, the, the issue of probate is basically bringing in all the assets, encashing everything, and or re-registering assets to those who should receive them. So probate basically is something which can take months or it can take years if someone's got a very complicated estate. And eventually there will come a point when you have a statement of account. If you're the executor, you are legally responsible for that process, even if you hire a lawyer or a probate executive to help you. They will help you do the day-to-day and make sure all the forms are filled in and everything's dealt with, but you are legally responsible. And at the end of the day, there'll be an account of the estate that shows what came in. So in my father-in-law's case, it shows everything that came in from ice has been in cash to bonds and national savings, you name it. And then everything that went out, funeral costs, legal fees, you know, whatever. There was money going to a trust, etc. So it all shows everything. And my the two beneficiaries were my wife and my brother-in-law and my mother-in-law, and they can see the account. But if that was done for you by a law, a law firm, they will prepare all that for you. So probate is easier if, first of all, you have a will, because that says what the person wants to happen. If you don't have a will, then it, you have to distribute the estate, whatever's left, according to the law of the land. And that would depend on whether they had a surviving spouse, if they had dependents, if they had minor children, if they, you know, whatever the situation was. And it's not always ideal to rely on the intestacy because it may be the wrong people get the money. But here's an interesting thing. If someone has left a will where they have not left reasonable financial provision for someone who would have expected it, so it might be someone who could show that they were financially dependent on them, even if they're an adult, or the wife or the partner or girlfriend who lived with them a long time, or you know, then that person can put a claim against the estate. So this is why it's so important for people to have a will but more importantly to make sure that will is fair and reasonable. Um, so that's really important to avoid family conflict. But but probate is just that process of washing up the estate and making sure the right people have got the right money at the right time and that you've settled their affairs. Brilliant. So the, the, the simpler you make it ahead of time, the shorter period of time probate takes to yes, happen, and this presumably. brings me on to this brings me on to the point. If someone has got lots, and this, we talked in a previous podcast about helping mum and dad or an elderly relative sort of tidy their affairs up in their latter years, whether they've lost capacity or not is not the issue. If you can simplify the number of savings accounts, if you can put all their investments into like one of these investment platform services, if you can amalgamate their ICES into a single administrative service. The simpler you can make their financial assets, then the easier it's going to be to deal with it, whether you employ a professional or you do it yourself. Um, So, for instance, my father-in-law's investments, um, we had them on one single investment platform, his ISA. So it was one discussion, 
one instruction, we'd reduced his savings accounts down to one plus his bank account. So simplifying the assets before someone dies is really, really, uh, is, a, is a quick win. So you have to close down all that stuff before you can send your letter or do your on, online form to the probate person. I don't know, is there a probate person? Is yeah. it a department? Well, well, no, no. First of all, you, you have to do the account to the Inland Revenue first. Yep. And then you have to send the will in to the probate office to prove that you don't owe any tax or okay. if you do owe tax that you've got an arrangement to pay over time. And then you will be given a grant of probate, which is the court saying, yes, we've seen the will. Yes, we've seen your proof of ID. Yes, we accept that you have the rights to distribute this estate. And it's the granting of the probate by the probate office which then enables you to go to all the providers and the asset providers and the land registry and deal with the estate you are not able to distribute monies or deal with someone's bank accounts until you have that grant of probate that is the legal authority that's saying you have the right to act as this person to call the assets in and that's why you you would normally want several several copies of the probate um, grant so that you can send because all the providers want originals. So in my case, I ordered 10. So so probate is just, you know, it's make sure there's a will. Simplify the person's affairs as much as you can before the event. Make sure that you're, you, you, you know whether you're going to employ a firm to help you or a professional. And, and if you do employ a firm to help you, don't just take the first firm that's down the high street or online. Get a few quotes because, you know, it can be a big difference because it comes out of the estate. You know, some firms might charge you a thousand, twelve hundred pounds to help you. Some might charge you five, six, seven thousand. I, I know some law firms do seem to think it's like a means-tested things, and they charge um, some sort of based on the size on of the, the estate. estate. But uh, there's no reason for that because it's no extra work. If you had an estate worth three hundred thousand, but like you know, hundred different accounts, that's a lot more work than an estate worth two million pound with a property, a bank account, and a and an investment fund. And where do you? I'd never even heard of. You talk about a probate manager or officer or... Executive. Executive. Where do they hang out? Well, they're like legal executives who, okay. who just focus. They're not legally qualified, but they normally have some... They're not like a lawyer, but they do have probate, basic probate qualifications. So the Society of Trusts and Estate Practitioners has a member directory. They are... Most of them are lawyers, but there are a number that are, that are, um, that are able to do probate work without being a lawyer. But the, the, I would normally recommend that you go to a proper solicitor because you've got all the protections that go with that. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's important to go to professions. And it may be that you also need to rearrange the will and change the will, um, which you can do if you do that within two years of the person's death. So before you sort of go and distribute, you know, actually you get the grant of probate, but you, but, but you might want to change the will before you go and get the grant of probate. So if you want to change what the will says, and that can only be done if all the people who would benefit agree, you need to do that before you get the grant of probate because the probate is the final copy of the will that's been agreed. And we've talked before about letters of wishes. Yeah. Does that, do you, if you're the executor of that, do you have to decide all of that? because it's your discretion isn't it so the person writing the letter of wishes will have said I want you know these are the principles about my estate that I would like you to consider do you have to deal with all of that bef then and then do the probate well, it's important to understand that, that that a will and letters of wishes come before that grant of probate yeah okay and all that a letter of wishes is is not legally binding it can be ripped up and changed at any time but what it's designed to do is give some additional direction help insight 
to the executors who are fulfilling the obligations of the will. So what you might have is the will might say, oh, we've got a family trust, we're going to put 200,000, 300,000 into a discretionary trust. Um, or we've got a class of beneficiaries, it's whatever the executors decide. Because you can actually create a will that says we leave all the decisions to the executors. Okay, it doesn't have to actually have specific, this person gets this and that. We just leave it all to the executors. So whether you leave discretion to the, wherever you leave discretion to the executors, either in some or all of the estate in the will, the letter of wishes is merely that aid memoir to help them think about how they would deal with things. So, so you don't need a letter of wishes if your will is extremely prescriptive. You know, in your case, you know, um, you get half the estate, your brother gets half the estate. That's it. Okay, but if there's any discretion allowed in the will, then the letter of wishes is merely going to guide, but it can't compel the executors to follow it. And that comes after probate. Yeah. So in my yeah. will, I have a letter of wishes. So does my wife. Mm. But that deals with the discretionary part that that our will will say a lump of money goes into a discretionary trust, and we've said you know we don't want our kids to be able to blow the money on you know drink drugs and rock and roll. It's for starting a business or buying a house or whatever. And and we've also said, look, it's up to you, but we'd rather you advance the money while they're young as a loan rather than give it outright to them. So things like that or, you know, things that we would definitely would not be comfortable with. But at the end of the day, it's your executor. And this brings me to the point that, that the executors, the legal people who are legally responsible for discharging a will and dealing with the probate, even if they outsource it, you need to choose people who are up for the job. And that's not always, that's not always um, your your children, your adult children, if they are either spendthrift or, or phobic when it comes to forms or won't deal, make decisions. Well, I'd have been rubbish. You know, my brother's Sub brilliant. Suboptimal, not rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they've made good decisions because, you know, and also it would bore the hell out of me, to be really honest. It's all that form filling. Well, are, like, you no both, are, you both, are you actually both named executives? No, I'm not. Right. But you can, you can have in a siblings, you can have siblings named as executors on, say, mum and dad's uh, will. And you can agree when the time comes that one of you stands back and lets the other deal with it. Just because you're named, it, it just depends on how it's worded. So as long as it says, you know, either one can act um, or both can act, it just depends on the wording of the will. But it's quite okay for you to, to say, okay, I'm happy to stand back. And when the person who's going to take responsibility for the probate does all the submissions to the probate office, they have to make a declaration that you have been made aware that you reserve your right to you know still look at what's happening so you although you're not dealing with the day-to-day -day and the probate officer dealing with that person you still have certain rights in law so but you can agree to stand back but you still have the right to sort of oversee and look at what's going on and call the other person to account so they can't just Brilliant. go running off of the money yeah right, so tell your brother it. it's not all over <laughs> yet <laughs> perfect well thank you um any sort of key top tips that we haven't covered or do you think we have now should all understand yeah, about probate? The, the, the rules are slightly different in Scotland, just to say. Okay. Um, it, it's just slightly different. There's a different, uh, slightly different approach there. But like all things in Scotland, that's based on Scottish law. Um, but it's not massively different. But the key thing here is if you plan ahead, know where everything is, simplify it, make sure there's an up-to-date will, make sure you're clear who is going to take the job and decide whether you're going to need to get a professional to help you. It doesn't need to be a nightmare. Um, and that's all I would say. It's one of those things we've all got to deal with. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to take your advice on board immediately. Good. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review us. And thank you so much for listening.